Here's another supernatural principle and the supernatural reality is this. The harder you squeeze the church, the more life that comes from it. This is, this is maddened so many people over the centuries that tried to kill the church and get rid of Christ and destroy the Bible and to eliminate again the word of God. The reality is because God's in charge, he's supernatural, he does whatever he wants. The more you try to kill the church and squeeze it, the more life comes from it. Amen? That's so encouraging. That's true then, it's true now. The more you try to persecute the church, the more the gospel is promoted from it. Welcome back, Live in the Light listeners. Taking time out of your day to join us, that is a big deal. Loved ones, we are continuing our journey through the book of Acts, and today we take another look at Acts 11. Specifically, we're looking at the idea of multiplication and supernatural multiplication at that. The story centers around Peter and his report that even the Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. God was growing his church then, and he is growing his church now. And as we're going to find, there's a lot of truth in this passage for us even here today. Here's Pastor Robbie to explain more in today's message in Acts 11. Gospel persecution always leads to gospel promotion. Here's another supernatural principle and the supernatural reality is this. The harder you squeeze the church, the more life that comes from it. This has is, this is maddened so many people over the centuries that tried to kill the church and get rid of Christ and destroy the Bible and to eliminate again the word of God. The reality is because God's in charge, he's supernatural, he does whatever he wants. The more you try to kill the church and squeeze it, the more life comes from it. Amen? That's so encouraging. That's true then, it's true now. The more you try to persecute the church, the more the gospel is promoted from it. And of course, the church comes by this honestly, doesn't it? The church comes by it honestly because Jesus Christ, of course, he died and from his death exploded life eternal. Millions and billions of people have been saved since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, the theme for free, for free indeed this year, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the earth, it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies it will bear much fruit. And by much fruit, again, billions of lives will be changed as the kernel of wheat, Jesus Christ, falls to the earth and dies on the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins. In verse 19, notice only the Jewish people were hearing the gospel. But then notice, notice in this verse, notice in verse 20, the second also is there. See the second also? So what I did in my Bible, I circled the first also, which was found again in verse 18. And I drew a little line there down to this also in verse 20. So I wanna be connected. Here's the second also, which again is absolutely life-changing. You see that there? The second also is that some men preach the gospel. Don't know who they are. They preach the gospel to the Hellenists. My Bible has a footnote beside Hellenist is yours. In the footnote of my Bible, it says this. It says that they were Greek-speaking non-Jews. So you have... Gentiles, Greeks that were being reached with the gospel. 
Amazing, God is already spreading and working in this way. I love this. And the hand, I hope this is underlined, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, the context of Acts 11, Antioch was a considerable city. It was in the day that this was written, it was to be the third largest or third most important city in the Roman Empire. Antioch was known for its business, it was known for its sophistication. It was also known for its immorality, uh, really known for its immorality. Antioch was famous for false gods, famous for its pursuit of pleasure, and honestly famous for its depravity. One commentator compared Antioch of that day to being the Las Vegas of its day. That's what one guy would suggest based on the information that he had in terms of the reality of the environment of Antioch. So what you have here, ready? Here you have the gospel coming into this very, very dark setting, this very, very evil society and surroundings, this very demonic-filled false god worship city. And you have the light of the gospel trying to shine into this darkness. You say, well, how would that happen? I mean, that's gonna be impossible. Ah, not so fast. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was with them. And if the hand of the Lord is with you, I like your chances. I did a quick survey of that phrase, the Lord was with him or the hand of the Lord was with him across scriptures really quickly this week, really quickly. And I came across, I just kind of, I typed in on my Bible software, like the Lord was with that phrase. And I found many, many different examples. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joshua. And the Lord was with Samuel. And the Lord was with David. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. And the Lord was with John the Baptist. And the Lord was with Jesus. I like how all those guys turned out. I like what happened through their lives. Ups and downs, yes. But when the hand of the Lord is with you, church, again, again, guaranteed blessing is to fall. Not easy, not easy, not easy, not easy, but awesome. Not easy, but tremendous. What else do you need when the hand of the Lord is with you? Hey, church, Hope Church right now, again, again, th this is what we need more than anything else. If you start right from the bottom and build the foundation, when his hand is with us, nothing and no one can stop us. His hand to, listen, listen, the Lord does whatever he wants to do. The Lord changes whoever he wants to change. The Lord moves through whatever situation he wants to because he is sovereign, he is God, he is awesome. When his hand is with us, we are good. Listen, listen, really, so careful, right? right? Right now, right now. This is where his presence is always more important in the program. I say it again, his presence is always more important than the program. As great as the ministry fair is, and I'm gonna hype that up in a few minutes. That's so important. If his presence is not sought, then the program becomes useless and futile. This is when prayer is always greater than performance, always. Dependence so much more important than our ability to do anything. This is where his glory always trumps our giftedness, always. All human gifting in the world will never equal to life change. It must be the hand of the Lord. Think about it, think about it. In Acts 11, in the midst of these dark times, man, in the midst of incredibly dark times in evil society, the hand of the Lord was with them. Think about our times that we live in, dark times, but we insist that the hand of the Lord be with us. Antioch was dark, 
but the Lord was with them. The hand of the Lord was with them. What does it look like when the hand of the Lord is upon a church or let's say upon a community of Christians? And you know, we have this theme of praying for a spirit of revival in our day right now. God is moving. God is doing so many unique things and so excited for what I see and what I believe is going to happen too. And just the anticipation, I've been reading a lot about revival recently and just want to get a heart of faith and going there. And I want you to join me in that on the screen for you. I just, this is, this is kind of, extensive, but I just want to read it. I want to read it slowly. I want you to take it in. Uh, Tudor Jones, he explains revival in this way. Revival is God revealing himself to man in awful holiness and irresistible power. It is such a manifest working of God that human personalities are overshadowed and human programs abandoned. I love that. It is man retiring into the background because God has taken the field. As a former jock, man, I like that metaphor. It is the Lord making bare his holy arm and working an extraordinary power on saint and sinner. I love this. It has the stamp of deity upon it, which even the unregenerate and uninitiated are quick to recognize. Please, Lord, may your hand be upon us. A religious revival involves a spiritual awakening or revitalization within churches or within an area from which contrasts with the smooth flow of daily life. From the Christian perspective, it should be considered, from the Christian perspective, it should be understood as the specific activity of the Holy Spirit, deepening people's commitment to God and intensifying their concern about the eternal destiny. Oh Lord, may your hand be upon us. Individuals are converted often in large numbers. Churches are revitalized and the excitement spreads to surrounding localities these newly converted or revival Christians become infused with missionary spirit and dedicate themselves to a holy life and not infrequently to cultural and social service. Oh Lord, may your hand be upon us. Oh Lord, may you start to light the fire and may we see amazing things happen from our lives. Oh Lord, may your hand be upon us. The second point of prayer I wanna point out here, Lord, oh Lord, may we see your grace among us. May we see your grace among us. Look at, look at verse 22 now. It says, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Notice this. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, okay? So watch this. The joy of new life in Christ spread so fast. It says it came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. By the way, I, I love the idea of the joy of life change in the gospel spreading from this place. I read Nehemiah 12 in recent weeks, and it says, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. The people were so filled with joy. They were so rejoicing over God's provision for them and God's purity among them. The joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. And in some sense, this is what's happening right here in the text too. And the joy of the gospel came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Hey, church, hope church, hope church, pray for that. The joy of this place would go from this place. What an awesome prayer. What an awesome thought. The joy of baptism, the joy of life change, the joy of the missionary spirit. The joy of the gospel, the joy of our desire to see the lost saved would go from this place to the community and the province and the nation and the world as it is in many ways already. More, Lord, more. Join me in that. May the joy of the gospel be heard from this place. So again, the Jewish believers, when they hear this in Jerusalem, they gotta be amazed and they gotta be intrigued. They send Barnabas 
To see this further, that's a good choice, eh? You know a lot about Barnabas? What a good man he was. Notice in verse 23, Barnabas comes, the first, I love it, the first thing he sees is the grace of God. There's a man filled with God's spirit. I love that. That's a, thr- a thrilling piece of theology and application. Okay, watch this, ready? Watch, watch this. Barnabas walks in, this incredible work in Antioch, this, this, this Las Vegas of their times. He sees the gospel moving in so many ways and he doesn't see the work of man. He doesn't see impressive programs. He doesn't see powerful giftedness or some kind of exalted up preacher. He sees the grace of God because that's what it is. He sees the grace of God. This this reminds me of a New Testament text written by Paul in the book of Titus. Take a look here. Paul says for, notice this, for the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live with self-control. The grace of God has appeared waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, that's an awesome couple verses, eh? Now, just put the next slide up for a second. Watch this, okay? So the grace of God is again what trains us. The grace of God is what, you know, causes us to bring again salvation. The grace of God is why we wait. As we wait for our blessing, that's all of God's grace in our lives. It's all grace. The whole thing, the grace of God appears and that's what changes lives. It's God's, it's not us. It's His grace. When you long for heaven and you sing that song, it's grace. Salvation comes, obviously, grace. As you're being moving into godliness, it's grace. It's the grace of God. This is what Barnabas sees as well. So listen, every life that is changed among us is grace. Every baptism we witness is grace. Every marriage restored is grace. Every addiction conquered is grace. Every delight in his word is grace. Every mission trip we see go forward is grace. Every prodigal returned is grace. Every gift in action in a certain ministry, it's grace. Every person welcomed in the the spirit of Christ in this place today, it's grace. Oh God, may we see your grace among us. May we see your grace among us. And listen, we are, we are. Our prayer meeting this week, man, that was grace. I was so personally encouraged. I had very little to do with it. I was so personally encouraged to see the grace of God working and eyes constantly filled up with tears at the love and the life change and the wonderful beauty of our God. Man, I just, don't you love to see his grace? You know, when you see the grace of God and then you compare it to the world and the world's just like, man, what a joke, right? Like you get excited about something in the world and let you down again right? It happens all the time, right? You get excited about you're going to go on your break or you're going to go and watch some movie, things are really awesome. At the end of the day, you're like, maybe good, but then it just runs out so fast or you get so excited about some other thing you think's going to do it for you. And then you get there and you're so disappointed. Your team loses again or whatever it might be. You're just, you're always looking for something that always lets you down. But to see the grace of God, you're just like, oh, the way it fills your heart, the way it motivates your faith, the way it causes you to pray, the way it gives you joy an inexpressible joy. That's Jesus. That's what happens when we see his grace. Church, let's pray to see his grace among us. And notice our main man, Barnabas, he comes in. He's so spiritually sensitive. Okay, okay, again, Barnabas here. Again, there he is. 
you know, filled with the understanding of the old covenant now in the, in the new covenant, he walks in, notice, notice, he doesn't come in and say, wait a second, man, and put legalistic demands upon the church. You should get this right. You're not doing this right at all. Notice he's not threatened by the work. He's not threatened that God may be doing something extraordinary way that he's kind of coming and just bumping into. I love that. It's sad to see some people respond to God's grace and others. And their first response to seeing God's grace is jealousy, envy, and harshness. Hey, hey don't be that person, please. Do, do not be that person. At least, at least, when you see God's grace in someone else's life and you see blessing in someone else's life by God's grace, at least admit to yourself when you're treating them unkindly, at least admit the reason you're doing that is because you're jealous and envious. At least acknowledge the sin in the process. That would be very helpful. And then hopefully the Lord can bring us to repentance to say, man, like, do I trust the Lord for myself or am I just gonna spend my life worrying about other people have and I don't? None of that in Barnabas, none of that. He sees the grace of God and he is glad. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Notice what Barnabas does do. His joy and gladness, and then he exhorts them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Beautiful, that's so beautiful, okay? So he sees the grace of God. Lord, may we see your grace among us. What does God's grace look like within our lives as you boil it down to a very simple form? It looks like this, two things that Barnabas says right here, faithfulness and steadfast purpose. I'm telling you, you wanna see God work in your life? Be faithful, be faithful to the Lord without compromise. Hey, hey, question right now, question right now. Where are you tempted towards compromise right now in your life? Faithful to the Lord, man, that's, that's the grace. Steadfast purpose as opposed to wandering aimlessly, right? Next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. Some people here right now, young people, some young people here right now, just one thing after another, man. I mean, social media's got your heart far more than the word of God does. Older people here right now, you're so concerned with your future. You're so concerned about retirement. You're so concerned about whatever it might be. And it's got you all over the place, man. Man, let the grace of God be your focus. Faithfulness to the Lord and steadfast purpose. Maybe there's some people in the middle somewhere, man, and the career is everything. The career is all that you're focusing on and faithful to my job and faithful to the work. And my purpose is my promotion. The purpose is my provision I want to see. And just, no, 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 faithful to the Lord. That's, that's the grace of God. Steadfast purpose to the Lord. That's the grace of God. And Barnabas is so smart. He's like, hey man, this is awesome. Be faithful to the Lord and remain steadfast in your purpose. Oh, may we see, may we see the hand of the Lord with us. May we see the grace of God among us. And then thirdly, our prayer point is this. May we see your fruit. May your fruit be found in us. May your fruit be, remember, remember um, when this starts, it says the Lord has granted repentance also to the Gentiles. So, when the Lord grants repentance, listen carefully, fruit must follow. You say, how do I know if I'm saved? Fruit. Jesus says again, you will prove to be my disciples if you bear much fruit. John the Baptist says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So when God grants repentance, listen, God grants fruit as well. Ephesians 2 verse 10 we are created in the workmanship of God to do good works. Repentance must lead to fruit. Let's break down this last section then with three main types of fruit on the screen for you. 
I want you to see this, three Gs. Number one, the fruit of godliness. Look at the fruit of godliness. So look at verse 24. This, this describes Barnabas. He was a good man. The only one called a good man in the book of Acts, I understand. Notice, he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So at the center of God's grace here was a man, Barnabas, on fire for the Lord, okay? I wanna just take this and I wanna kind of extract from this principle right here, ready? Character, church, character is undeniably and probably preeminently, listen, not over-exaggerating here, character is Holy Spirit attractant. Ungodliness is Holy Spirit repellent. Some of you are here right now, your life has no power because ungodliness runs the day. Again, when you're engaged with all sorts of debauchery, pornography, lying, addiction, gossip, envy, greed, like if that's what our life is about, of course, the Holy Spirit is repelled. We quench and grieve the Spirit. But character is what God first and foremost fills with his power. The pursuit of holiness. It's those who seek to be uh, honorable vessels. Scripture after scripture after scripture speaks to the power of godliness amongst the movement of God. If you want to bear fruit, pursue holiness in the grace of Jesus Christ. Again, godliness is Holy Spirit attractant. Ungodliness is Holy Spirit repellent. Barnabas, man, love Barnabas. And you know what? What a prayer that is for the men and women of this church here right now, right now. Hey, hey, honestly, honestly, oh Lord, make this a moment. Too many have been too powerless for too long. Like some of you right now, you, you were here in this service right now at this time for that moment right there. You've been too powerless for too long and you know it. And you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I, I, listen, listen, this is your defining moment too powerless for too long because you simply have put everything else in front of the Lord as opposed to him. And the character that comes through repentance and confession and pursuing Christ and loving him and praying and in his word and using your giftedness and getting accountability. The power of seeing God work through godliness. May that fruit first and foremost be found in this place right now. Oh Lord, do it, do it, Lord, do it. How awesome that would be. And then nextly, listen, growth, growth. The fruit of growth. Look at the second half of verse 24. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went and found Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For Listen, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called the Christians. Now, this is the third time in this brief passage, it says, and a great many people. Okay, verse 21, you can take a look. Verse 21, verse 24, and we just read verse 26. 21, 24, 26, and a great many people. God is moving here in Acts 11. God is moving. God is moving here in Hope Oakville. God is moving. Hey, loved ones, thousand seats, thousand souls. Thousand seats, a thousand souls. 
four services. We're not doing that for the sake of trying to become a bigger church. We're doing this for the sake people need to be rescued from death and hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved in him. That's why we're doing it. And us together working and he is moving. He is saving. He's saving men and women in our midst. I mean, the lineup for baptism is growing coming up in a couple of weeks. The testimony of the gospel and the way God is moving. Pray for this. Pray, Church, he's moving. Be encouraged. He's moving. Again, again, don't miss out. Jump in, man. Don't stand on the sidelines and just watch. Be a part of it. Be a part of the grace of God moving. Let your giftedness be found and used. Be a part of the growing church of the Lord Jesus Christ across this world. Don't get to the end of your life and then all of a sudden you're standing from a distance and saying, man, all the stuff God did and I sat by with my fire insurance. No, 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 no. That's a waste of a life. Standing over here from a distance and gathering all your kind of trinkets and toys and all your investments and all your homes and all your stuff and looking across the distance and you're seeing eternal life and you're seeing incredible joy and you're seeing eternal value and blessing and looking at all these people and the grace of God and you're over here with your stuff. Don't be that person, man. Don't be the person. That's so dumb. What does a prophet, a man to gain the whole world, you forfeit his soul? I mean, don't you know your storm of treasures that moth and rust will destroy? Man, how many verses do I have to say? Where your treasures, they are hard as also. Don't be that person, man. Get in the king. Rush into the center. God, I want to be used however you want me to. I want to see growth around me and in me. And the gathering, I, I, love, I love Barnabas. Barnabas is like, the Lord's moving so much. He looks at him and he's like, whoa, man, I can't handle this. And he goes right, Saul, Saul, I need you. And he grabs Saul. He knows when he needs help. Come on, Saul, let's go. And they spend a whole year there teaching and discipling the church in Antioch. That's awesome. It's the gathering of giftedness. May 2020 be the greatest year of the gathering of giftedness this church has ever seen. You know, I think of the Hope Institute, how awesome that is for people to get involved and equipped and be used. I think of our ministry fair today, and that's where this becomes, yes, yes. The gathering, don't sit on the bench. Get in the game, get in the game. The gathering of giftedness in this place, that God works it out. Sometimes it's messy, I get that. Sometimes it's hard sometimes, don't you? Work together to see, man, God wants your giftedness to be used for his glory. Why, why? For the growth of his church and the glory of his name. The growth of his church and the glory of his name. I had multiple conversations this past week alone that were immensely encouraging for me to hear how God is working and changing and transforming and multiplying and igniting. I'm just, I'm listening. I'm like, this is awesome. God is moving. God is moving. The fruit of godliness, the fruit of growth, please Lord, and the fruit of generosity. The fruit of generosity. Look at verse 27. Now, in these days, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit there would be a great famine. Verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his abilities to send relief to the brothers living in Judea and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Okay, look up here, look up here, look up here, ready? Where there's godliness and then there's growth and where there's growth, there will be generosity. There'll be compassion, generosity and compassion. Let me just say this as we end here today right now. The power of generosity is so important to the spirit of the Lord within our lives, okay? Listen, listen. Today, today, as a way of application, what do you need to let go of that you might be more generous to the kingdom of God? What can you let go of right now that you might in turn respond with generosity and compassion towards those in need or the kingdom of God and the advancement again of the church of Jesus Christ. 
Where can, may this be the greatest year of generosity this church has ever seen? Yes, Lord. The greatest year of godliness, the greatest year of growth, the greatest year of generosity. Hey, Living the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You've probably heard of Cyber Monday. But have you heard of Giving Tuesday? That's a time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to again ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer again of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So hey, maybe right now you you would consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people. Again, a donor is going to match up to $25,000. We're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Bless you all for prayerfully considering such things. Thanks for listening to us today. Join us again next time on Live in the Light. I want